welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And uh, as always, joining me from remote locations is Dave and Fredo. How you guys doing? Hello. Good. Hi. And we have a we have a couple guests for the trivia portion of our uh, of our podcast. Um, Dave, do you, do you want to do a little introduction here? Yes, we have uh, my two younger kids, uh, Nathan and Harper, joining us. But not my sister, Olivia. Kind of, she screams a little. She's she's done trivia with us a couple times, so um, she actually beat all of us one time, so you you and Nate are going to have to, you know, you're going to have to bring it, so. Um, But uh, how's how's everybody's week going? Mine, mine was glorious. Saturday, I I broke a tooth. Actually, let's Ooh. let's let's rewind. A week ago, Sunday, I threw out my back and I couldn't walk like most of the week last week. That straightened out. But then I broke a tooth on, <clears throat> pardon me, on on a Saturday. So I had to go to the dentist for that today. And I had jumped off so many bridges, thinking they're going to be you know pulling my tooth to <clears throat> you know give me six months to live or whatever. I don't know, but. Turned out just a filling, so just a patch repair job. So I feel a lot better today. Hooray! So that that's Yay. my that's my whining. That is, but <laughs> and here's the other thing, guys. It's cold in New Orleans today. It was about 41. Do you know that it was warmer in Nebraska today than it was in New Orleans? <laughs> Talking to my dad, it was supposed to be mid 50s, pushing 60, and it's 41 here. Well, there's snow in mid-central northern parts of Louisiana, so like people I know are making snowmen in Shreveport, which is about two hours to east of uh, Dallas. That sounds like a somebody's novel, snowmen in Shreveport. That's right. It's gonna be a Christmas uh, book coming out next year. So you guys have better better weeks than me, Dave Fredo. Anything fun happen? Uh, fun in terms of fun. I mean, not really. Uh, Saints won. That was fun. I mean, I spent the weekend go, yeah. glued, yeah, glued to the TV, watching as much football as possible. Did and you then, watch uh, the Nickelodeon version? No, I didn't. But I kept getting all the updates from everybody on Twitter. Dave, did Seeing you guys watch the Nickelodeon comments. version? Same, same. I only saw the highlights after the fact. They actually, I heard that's rave reviews. They said, mm-hmm. you know, if you have. Pardon me, I keep coughing, so pardon me to the the audience. Um, You know, they said if you have kids that you want them to get into the game, and they said they did a great job of explaining, you know, the rules and explaining what was going on. Apparently, uh, Nate Burleson, uh, Burleson, Burleson, anyway, he uh, explained about Taysom Hill to the kids. He said, he's that guy on the playground that can do everything. Mm -hmm. And I think they had a... Young Sheldon pop up every now and again whenever there was a flag to kind of explain what rule was being broken and what the penalty for it was. So there was there was a lot of effort and a lot of uh, uh, you know, actual you know programming and thinking out of what they wanted to do. It wasn't just oh we're putting this game on the clothing. You know sometimes like uh, come March Madness they'll put a basketball game on True TV and you're like okay they're just putting what normally would be on CBS on true but they actually made an effort of okay we're gonna make it a nickelodeon style broadcast which was fun for everybody i think i think the nfl looked at the demographics of who's watching football and they are trying to find a, another audience so then 
<clears throat> Sean Payton gets slimed at the end of the game. So that was mm-hmm. fun too. Well, you, you heard who was the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon's most valuable player? Who was that? Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> he was supposed to get slimed as well, but he kind of turned it down because he's like, no, I just lost. My season's over. I'm not getting slimed. So Sean Payton had made a bet saying if he won, he would get slimed. And he got slimed. Says it tastes like, you know, like barely cooked jello. Well, anyway, so yeah, Saints won and we play the Buccaneers and uh, Sunday night. Sunday night. Um, Brady Breeze three, which I hate that because the quarterbacks really aren't playing each other. It's just I hope our defense makes Tom Brady cry for a third time this year, but <clears throat> I'm not going to count my chickens before they're hatched. So, mm-hmm. Dave, how about it you? Was- how's how's your week? Oh yeah, I mean I don't know if I have much else to add to any of that. We watch, we watched the Saints and but I was going to say uh Aaron I agree with you on the Buccaneers game in that it, you feel good uh and you hope for the best but also you just you can't you can't count on anything. That's the way I go into every Saints game. Yeah. I never if somebody but, asks me are we going to win? I I never say yes. I I'm always paranoid we're just going to lose. So that's the way I'll just but stop. My the the most interesting thing that happened this week was my son has this theory on Star Wars that he really wanted to share with the group. Well, okay, Nate, what is what is your theory that you have? The first order should be called the third order because it's the third army of bad guys after the separatists and the Empire. So third order, third order. They should be the third order instead of the first order. Because they're the third group of bad guys to come along. Yes. He's not, Plot, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Plot holes by Nate Glado. <laughs> well, there, there is a reason. He, he needs to start writing a blog. <laughs> Weirdly enough, I, I kind of, as I, you know, I just recently I saw this YouTube channel describing about the rise of fascism and Star Wars, and they describe why it's called the First Order, and it's related to how using that mindset you always think back to the past and you don't want to be the hot new thing you're always linked to some great halcyon original that was great and good and we got to get back to again so yeah, that's kind of why it's the first order but technically speaking yep nate's 100 percent correct just, it just wait be the third order. just wait until that kid's on twitter and he's going to you know upset millions of star wars fans <laughs> it makes sense nate <clears throat> makes total sense it does make sense so yeah or, or he'll get, uh, you know, 50,000 retweets out of something um, like that, you know. We went to Disney World. I know, and you guys got to go to Galaxy's Edge. I haven't gone to Galaxy's Edge yet. And you got lightsabers, and no, you got to go to Galaxy's Edge, but yeah, we did. went on Millennium yeah. Falcon ride. Yeah, that's at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, yeah. Galaxy's Edge. I was trying yeah. to crash. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> oh, and I saw Kylo Ren on the aerial show. It was raining bubbles. Yeah, I That's what Disney needs to do. We'll talk about that in our later uh, thing. They need to start doing crossovers. So it's like, you know, the Voyage of the Little Mermaid and Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, hey, let's. Uh, you guys are here for trivia, so let's let's do some trivia. What do you say? Yeah. All right. So as always, um, you know, I just 
pick random cards and just whatever the first question is. Um, I'll start with uh, with Fredo though, so you guys can get kind of an idea what's going on. Okay, so Fredo, my mm-hmm. goodness, I need my glasses. Uh, what species is the creature seen watching from afar while Obi Wan tries to contact Anakin on Naboo? Let me say that again. What species is the creature seen watching from afar while Obi-Wan tries to contact Anakin on Naboo? I believe that creature is a Geonosian. Harper, is he right? Nodding nodding doesn't help on an audio podcast, but yes, he is correct. (laughs) All right. Geonosian! So, Harper, are you ready for your question now? Oh, look at that. She's like, right, ready? Okay. So, let's see here. Um, which is your favorite Star Wars movie? That's not the question. I just want to know what your favorite Star Wars movie is. Favorite one. Rise of Skywalker. My favorite is Star Wars: The Holiday Special. Ah. Like the one. Oh, I thought you meant the original. I like, I like two movies. What's your second I like movie? The Rise of Skywalker and the Lego Special. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Holiday Special. So. What is the name of the green alien that Qui-Gon wins the bet with in The Phantom Menace? Green is an interesting uh, descriptor, actually. He is is green, right? I thought he was blue. I got a figure over there. We can go. We can debate this for the next half hour. Okay, the blue green. That is the correct answer. It is Watto. All right. I guess this is a team it's effort. A team effort. All right. So team Nate Harper. Dave, it's one, and uh, Fredo's got one. All right, Dave, it's your turn. All right. All right. So, what does Obi Wan Kenobi call? An elegant weapon for a more civilized age, for the love of all this. A lightsaber. No, I'm sorry. That is a laser sword. Ah. <laughs> yes, it is a lightsaber. All right. So <clears throat> we are, everybody's doing good. All right. Nate, are you ready? Nate and Harper. Nate, are you ready? Team, team Nate Harper. Let's go, buddy. All right. So what item that Luke built prompts Darth Vader to remark, your skills are complete. I could barely hear him, but I think he got the right answer. Say it louder in the microphone. Say it louder. It is a lightsaber. You and your dad get like basically the same question. All right. You guys got two right. Now this is mine. This is mine. We'll see if we have to do a tiebreaker between all of us here. All right, so what color is the glove that Luke wears over his damaged hand? Man, this is an easy schmeezy night. All right, so yeah, I think the kids got the tougher question. <laughs> I had to paraphrase one of them because I didn't think Toydarian would, you know, work with them. But the answer to mine is black. So it is. All right, well, we all tied. Well, let's Yay. see Let's see if Nate and Harper can get one more. And this is your chance all to right. win, guys. No, 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 no! You already—they already got that. This one, is right? this is your chance to win, guys. Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh wait, okay. Are you ready for another question? Yeah. Okay. All right. 
what oh that might oh well, i don't know well, we'll see if dad can help you out here okay this is from the original star wars episode four okay what city's docking bay 94 serves as the temporary home for the millennium falcon so what city was docking bay 94 in most likely oh my gosh look at that ding 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 it is most likely Nate, team Nate Harper win for tonight. They got the most right answers. We'll insert some applause there and stuff like that. Good job, guys. Everybody say thank you to Nate and Harper for joining us. Hey, guys, you guys want to say goodbye? Bye. 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 Go, go play with Lucy. And we're, we all, I just want to point out here that I am. I swear around a lot of people, but I don't swear around kids. So, see, you didn't have to McClunky one thing. Well done. Well done. So, there you go. Um, so, yeah, that was some fun trivia. That's always cool. Dave, good parenting. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, you know, I didn't <laughs> not, know if he'd get uh, most nicely, but he did. Not not only are you, you having your kids uh, learn the ways of, you know, the Jedi, but you also took two of them away from your wife and gave her a little bit of a breather for you know a few minutes while you talk star wars with your two friends so you just earned some brownie points there i think (laughs) not just a hat rack my friend all right well fredo we got some news and by the way before we get into the news tonight what we're going to be doing uh we're going to be uh putting a bow on mandalorian season two we're just going to kind of go a whole recap of the entire season and just kind of just put it to bed for a little bit so we can move on to other star wars stuff but first, we do have some news items. So, Fredo, over to you at the news. Yeah, a couple, couple of news and a rumor. So let's start with the news. Uh, first one that uh, came out uh, a few days back was, uh, and this was the first bit of news that has come surface regarding the Kevin Feige produced Star Wars project. So Deadline reports that uh, executive producer for Loki, the Loki Disney Plus series. Michael Waldron has been tapped to write Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie as part of a new deal with Disney. So apparently uh, uh, Michael Waldron, who's already written Doctor Strange 2, is the head writer and executive producer of Disney Plus's series Loki and just signed a new long-term deal uh, to continue. Apparently he's going to do a season two of Loki, so you got that to look forward to. But also as part of that deal, he is going to write the feature film that Kevin Feige is developing and producing for Lucasfilm and Disney. Uh, just one of the many things that uh, he's doing as part of. Uh, this is the first piece of news, according to Deadline, this all coming from Deadline. First piece of news about Feige's Star Wars films since the project was first rumored back in 2019. Now, there was a whole slew of announcements during Disney's Investors Day, but this was not one of them. So um, apparently he's still overseeing, of course, he's still overseeing Marvel and their cinematic universe and how that's going to go forward. Uh, where he's also apparently looking uh, looking to come on board to Lucasfilm and to develop a Star Wars movie still, which, like I said, for the longest time, I don't, I don't think there have been a, a drop of news. It just kind of fluttered into the background now. Here's the first piece of serious news says, it's still alive. You know, I, I think it's actually kind of 
kind of smart of Lucasfilm. You know, I know I said in a couple of podcasts ago, it just raised the question of, you know, you're getting all these, uh, all these Marvel actors coming into, you know, Star Wars movies, you know, the rumors were abound. And um, from, from a creative standpoint, however, you know, Lucasfilm would be foolish not to have the people who are creating these Marvel movies, you know, be on their creative team in some, some form. Um, because you know, they're, they're rocking it. So, um, and, and you know, it even goes for, um, Pat, the, you know, Patty Jenkins doing, doing Wonder Woman, you know, it's, um, it, it's, Taika good, it's good, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Taika Waititi. It's, it's good to get, you know, fresh blood and young blood and everything like that. But it's also, sometimes you got to get Prince to write your band a song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? it's, you know, you're not going to, or you're not going to at least pass it up. If Prince says, Hey, I want to write you a song, you know, it's, nobody's going to say, no, don't do that. You know? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good idea. But the, my, the question I was listening to the resistance broadcast and they brought up a good, they started wondering, and I wonder too, are, are we beholden to the release years of movies or are we going to start getting them in, you know, is the Kevin Feige movie going to be released in like 2042 or is, are we going to have not just one movie a year, but are we going to get multiple? Are they going to go to Disney plus, you know, those are the, all the things we don't know. It's an interesting question I mean, regarding releases. I mean, right now, all we know is we're getting a Patty Jenkins says rogue squadron next year, I believe 2022. And then uh, besides that, no, there's Taika Waititi making a Star Wars movie after he finishes Thor 4. And that's pretty much it. There's still all these rumored projects around, uh, which is kind of why I brought up like the fact that, you know, after, you know, Kevin Feige's project had announced right around the same time as the project from the creators Game of Thrones, right around the same time that uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy was supposed to be announced. And they're all rumored, but they're never confirmed. And they just kind of, faded into the background and so the stuff came forward. So you got to imagine that they're still kind of unsure as to what comes next beyond Rogue Squadron, but at least they got a step and they didn't get a script and if they can kind of keep going forward. No, this is a machine. They're just like, you know, moving forward, moving forward, and so all this stuff will come out in the fullness of time. And again, this is this is not my idea. So I'll give <clears throat> credit to their discussion as Resistance Broadcast and you know, one of the things it is, it is a good point that if, if, if Disney is kind of looking into the crystal ball, you know, okay, so we got vaccines out and, and they're also saying that, you know, probably going to have, you know, Dr. Fauci said probably, you know, uh, live concerts in the fall, you know, is kind of the hope. And so you're talking about a year and a half from now, maybe people will be wanting to go back into theaters, maybe, maybe so about two years out, if you can start hitting them with, and here's a Star Wars movie, and here's a Marvel movie, and here's another Star Wars movie we didn't tell you about, and people are going to be going, I want to go to theaters, you know, that's actually might be good money to, and because you can have everybody working on their projects right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I like your point earlier uh, about Feige. <laughs> I mean, like it's a no-brainer. <clears throat> to have him involved in, in a movie like this. That doesn't mean it's a slam dunk that he'll deliver the most amazing product we've ever seen. But uh, given his track record, of course you, you give him a shot at it. 
and uh, you give him, you know, the the types of creative people that he's used to working with. He should have that freedom to bring those people in so that he can deliver the kind of product that he wants to deliver. Um, I don't I guess it's encouraging from that perspective as well, that they're not like handcuffing him and saying, you're going to work with this writer, this randomly picked writer from over here instead. So. And if you think about it in terms of, well, geez, you know, because you know, this going back to the discussion we've had at some point in the past regarding sort of the marvelization of Star Wars, you know, at worst, if say for example, it doesn't come to bear, the worst that you're going to get out of it's an entertaining Star Wars movie. Well, that's good. It doesn't necessarily have to be the end or be all greatest thing ever since sliced bread. You know, as long as it's something that's fun that you can enjoy. You know, even if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't rise above the average of what your MCU movie is, wherever your average is, it doesn't rise above that. It's still, if it's still good and fun and you enjoy it, you come out of it saying, I had a good time. So Disney's so, done its job. So here's the thing that they also need to do is that they need to stop doing trilogies. And they just, and, but however, and do it like what Marvel, I mean, how many Thor movies are there currently? There are three, right? Well, three well, making four. <clears throat> coming up on four. But we're not, we didn't call it a Thor trilogy, right? It's just, hey, there's another Thor movie coming out. And so they need to, I think they need to get away from that so that people aren't uber confused. It's just like, okay, it's another Star Wars movie. Um, but anyway, that's probably a topic for another night. But what else we got? So, so uh, <clears throat> besides that, the other kind of big piece of news came out month, uh, yesterday was Lucasfilm announced Lucasfilm Games. So uh, they kind of put a little sizzle reel on YouTube about a minute or so, uh, calling back to some other games from LucasArts past and you know stuff like Rogue Squadron, Knights of the Old Republic, so some of their own in-house stuff. But the bigger kind of point is that Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity for all the gaming titles from Lucasfilm. So even though they have partnerships with Electronic Arts and BioWare and all the other gaming companies, it seems like there's now a concerted effort by Lucasfilm to, after disbanding LucasArts and just kind of licensing stuff out, kind of start bringing in some of that stuff back in-house to kind of control it. Uh, I believe the last game, I mean, really the, the first game that's kind of been announced under this new umbrella is the one that... Uh, Nate and Harper, I'm pretty sure, and Livia and Dave and Aaron are looking forward to, which is the Skywalker Saga Lego. Uh, so that's still coming up, but it's interesting. They don't have any other games announced after that. There's the rumored Jedi Fallen Order 2, which is still coming, but uh, besides that, everything's kind of up in the air for, on the gaming front for Lucasfilm. So they're trying to condense, condense it all back into their grasp. Yeah, I do want I do want yeah. the uh, Lego Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think it's a pretty short summation for the three of us. It's like yeah. yes, Lego Star Wars. Yes, that's what we want. Lego Star Wars thirty five. <laughs> oh, you know what? By the way, now that when I play Mario thirty five, and I like get I got second place, and so I'm scrolling. I used to never pay attention to who else you know was in the thirty five players, but now I'm scrolling looking for Dad. You know, and it's like. <laughs> I did say I did see a David, and I was like, "Oh!" I was like, "Oh, but it's not Dad." Okay, but uh, yeah, yeah. My mine's uh, Dad is capitalized, so look out for that tell as well. It'll be capital D A D. But uh, I finished first. Um, 
what four times now so that's like that's like crack trying to get get first especially once you get that once you get up to like third or fourth because the key i my my thinking on this game the key is you got to knock people out and if you get up into like the top five or so and you haven't knocked anybody out you don't have extra time built up yeah and then you you're you're done you, there's nothing you can do at that point. So have you have you gotten to the point where either a you've got like four Bowsers staring you down, <laughs> yeah. or or you're in a, there was a level one time where it was nothing, but <clears throat> the the cloud dude the Klaatu, you know mm-hmm. ju- there was just rows and columns and columns and columns of Klaatus just throwing everything. I'm just I was like screaming and Brit's like, what is your problem? I'm like, they're <laughs> everywhere. I can't. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, like the little spinies that they throw at you, and then the jellyfish, uh, the bloopers, I guess you call them. Yeah, and, just um, randomly floating yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it gets nuts. You play for about three or four minutes, and you get that far into it, and then it's just it, it starts getting really hairy. But yeah, I love it when somebody sends a Bowser at me because then I go like, all right, let me see if I can get a star, and, and or or if I have a fire flower, I can kill Bowser and send him to somebody else. Yeah. Now imagine all that, but it's Lego Star Wars. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. That'd be kind of fun. Exactly. There, there we go. Fredo yeah. gets all the all gets all the royalties for this this game. That's right. Uh, and then the last bit of news, it's not news, it's more rumor. This is coming from the website piratesandprincesses.net, which is a Walt Disney uh, parks themed uh, website. The report the rumor is that there's gonna be some changes the Galaxy's Edge, namely the characters. Uh, so let me just read from the middle of the piece. It basically says, uh, there's uh, what's happening at Hollywood Studios now in Galaxy's Edge is that people want to see uh, Mando. They want to see Ahsoka. They want to see Baby Yoda slash Grogu. They want to see Luke Skywalker. So there's rumors now, according to a source, has started, they've started the process of determining costs and logistics for transitioning Galaxy's Edge in both Orlando, Florida and Los Angeles to the timeline of the Mandalorian. So everybody's going to be able to buy the blue French cookies, the blue macaroons that uh, Grogu stole from the kid in class. So, so I, I mean, uh, the, the hot take from this is that, you know, and it's in the article, and I, I, there's a lot in that article that I don't lay stock into. Um, the hot take is that, you know, they're, they're see, they're replacing the sequels with you know the stuff that everybody likes and it's like well no the way i look at it i i actually thought when i first heard of galaxy's edge like that's a really cool idea and then it's like but it's going to be basic the only thing that you're going to recognize is the millennium falcon you know and now rise of the resistance yeah there's stormtroopers and kylo ren but for the most part it's going to be all this other new made up stuff and it's kind of like really that's kind of a missed opportunity because but now with the and it's, so it totally makes sense now that it's like you have this uber popular show, The Mandalorian, and kids are probably going to come to Galaxy's Edge and go, "Where the heck is Baby Yoda?" It's like going, you know, it's like going to Disney World and not seeing Mickey Mouse. You know, it's like sorry, there's no Mickey Mouse here, but we got you know, you know, Marty the Rat, you know, or whatever. I, it's just here's another character we made up, kids. Isn't that just as great? It's like well, kind of. You know, I mean, again, as a 500 first member, it's like you got somebody who's dressed in Mandalorian armor and what they see is, hey, there's Mando. And they all freaked out. You know, it's like, 
So, and the other part of it too is I look, make Galaxy's Edge like the way we all played with our, our toys. It's like, we didn't, we didn't, you know, get our feathers ruffled if, you know, Lobot was playing with, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, it's just like you didn't, you didn't, you mixed, you know, movies and things like that. Heck, even my, I remember we took it a step further where my sister would be playing, you know, Barbies in her Barbie dream townhouse. And my brother would come wheeling in with Superman and take over. And then I'd have Darth Vader, you know, so I'm not talking about that kind of crossover, but to have Galaxy's Edge where you see Luke Skywalker, where you see Ahsoka, that's just money, guys. Well, uh, the way I kind of mentioned it in our uh, chat was there's already a, you know, a model for Disney to do this. They do this every time there's a new movie coming out. You know, Coco comes out and all of a sudden they dress a part of Disney World in uh, the Land of the Dead motif and they got you know Mexican music and whatnot and all the people are made up in that costume. That goes away. Okay, now it's whatever the next Toy Story. So they get all the Toy Story characters out and about. So there's already a present for Disney to do that to highlight what's currently in production. Let's face it, what's currently Star Wars is The Mandalorian. So telling the parents and the kids, hey, come to Disneyland, come to Disney World, and you'll meet Mando, you'll meet Baby Yoda, you'll meet Cara Dune, and uh, you'll see uh, Moff Gideon and the Empire and all this other stuff. It connects people to what they're what they're consuming at home and excites them for showing up there. It's perfectly sense. So, Dave, you're the only one that's been to Galaxy's Edge. I mean, what what do you, what's your thoughts? I mean, this is again just all rumors and just what would you like to see type of thing. I agree with everything that you guys just said. I mean, it it would be silly to try to read anything into it about uh, disavowing the sequel trilogy or something nonsensical like that. That's not what's going on. I mean, they built that Rise of the Resistance ride. They're just going to retheme that. (laughs) The ride I couldn't get on, by the way. Um, But, uh, you know, it's like, come on. Let's, let's, I agree with you. You can mix and match. You can throw Grogu in with, um, you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi or Lobot or whomever, and it's fine. I I don't see any problem with that. And they, and they just need to call it the world between worlds. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, and, uh, what was it? Uh, during the uh, High Republic press release, they kind of started calling eras by different names, like the Rise of the First Order, the Birth of the Rebellion. So they have like Age of uh, the Republic, those kinds of things. So they already have some nomenclature to it. But when you're in the park, you're walking around. You know, I'm pretty sure Dave has stories of turn around and boom, you walk and there's Darth Vader. And he's getting his photo taken and all the kids are mobbing him. You know, that's cool. That's what that's what you pay to go there for. You know, to get those experiences, to be in the moment. So, you know, if 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 you tell people, look, turn around over here and boom, you're gonna bump into Mando. Or you go down this stairwell well, and you bump into uh, baby going uh, to Grogu meditating on the stone, and and not and everybody can take a photo. And the number the number of kids and people that are that are going to freak out if they see Darth Vader and Kylo Ren walking down the sidewalk are the you know it's they're, they're very small. You know it's going to be the Uber nerds or you know I, I don't know. It's not going to be this mommy kissing Santa Claus type thing. They're going to go, oh, it's Darth Vader and it's Kylo Ren, and it's like this is cool, and that's. 48-year-old Aaron, not, I mean, not six-year-old, you know, <laughs> you know. <Aaron. laughs> so, I mean. It, but yeah, also, I, I, 
I got nearly ran over by Chewbacca at one point. He just like walked right by me. I was like, oh my God, I got to get my camera out and take pictures. Um, that was my reaction. Like, it, like, you know, I was instantly like five years old again. You also the video of last week when Robert Rodriguez was playing his guitar and Baby Yoda or Grogu was dying, that's, you know, kind that's of That's the best the video, music. yes. Now, imagine you get to walk down Galaxy's Edge and there's Grogu walking down the street coming towards you. What's the reaction going to be like of everybody who sees that? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, Everybody's just going to be like, their brains are just going to stop. They're going to be like, <gasps> and they're going to want to take a million photos because that's kind of like, how we're programmed. It's like if the Beatles showed up, you know, that's that's the only comparison I can come up with. And kids, you can buy your very own Grogu right over here for the low, low price. So, because that's Disney. It, you know, yeah. So, now I, I like I said, I'd be all for it because you know I understand what they're doing with Galaxy's Edge. It's like this whole immersive, you know, storyline type of a thing. But I think after a couple of years of Galaxy's Edge, I think that is kind of lost, and it's still just Star Wars land to everybody. You know what I mean? It's Star Wars land, and to me, I remember one of the first when they had one of the first press days, and I, you know, one of the one of the reporters said it was like he felt like a uh, three and three quarter inch action figure. And that's what this should be. It should be like you're in, it should be toy story land, but with star Wars, I mean, it should just be, you know, all of your star Wars toys in one place. And, and I think that, that, yeah, I think that would just be awesome, you know, cause otherwise, you know, the, the character that they have running around, um, the Re the resistance spy i don't know who it is see that's the problem is i'd see Brittany would probably go who's that i'd be like i don't know that's chewbacca you know i mean so i mean that's the thing they need it i i get what they were doing but i think it would be awesome if they added all this stuff so yeah anyway so yeah, that's exactly it'll be so, another about two yeah. years before we can go you know so <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, the downside it's you know but you're um, right dave it's coming. like it's yeah. like you're right we created the probably arguably the best ride ever in Disney property history. in Disney history. But yeah, we're just going to scrap the theme and just, yeah, nobody likes, nobody likes the sequels. So let's, you know, turn these, you know, stormtroopers into snowmen and, you know, let's, it's not Kylo Ren. Let's make it Darth Vader. Yeah. They're not going to do that. Mm. No, even, even if they rebrand or they change it, that ride's still going to be there. Uh, but Million Falcon Run's still going to be there, you know, because you're going to want to experience those even if you've experienced them before. And if you didn't get to experience them, you're going to want to experience them twice as much. Oh, and in that in that article, there's no and in that article. It's not like you can have the sequels and the original trilogy or and the Mandalorian. It's it, with almost everything. It's got to be an either or, and that that drives me bonkers. It's just like why can't it why can't it be and you know, just because they say, hey, we're going to start introducing these things into Galaxy's Edge. Somebody says that, then all of a sudden everybody's like, that's it. They don't like the sequels. Well, that's not what they said. You know, right. it can be it can be more than one thing. So anyway, we can get mm -hmm. off this topic. But I think I think it would be kind of cool. So it would be. That's pretty much it in terms of news for this week. Well, all right. Well, cool. Thank you. So let's get into our uh, Mando season two recap. Like I said, putting a bow on it. And putting it uh putting it under the uh under the bed until you know we 
dust it off after a little bit. Um, so, you know, the main discussion is just going to be what, you know, cause we talked early on in this season about, you know, kind of reserving judgment until we've seen the entire season. I'm not going to jump off a cliff, you know, that this episode is filler until I see it in the whole context of the, uh, you know, in the context of the entire se- season. So here's, here we are. That's, that's what tonight's going to be about. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll talk about, you know, um, we'll do a little episode rundown. We'll talk about what our favorite episodes were, our least favorite. And I, and I put in there a standout episode. I think that's different than what a favorite episode is. We'll get to that later. Um, and we'll actually dive into what we actually think about frog lady. So, uh, but, uh, first of all, let's just do just the briefest of recaps. Um, the episode one, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go. Okay. Well, let's do it. Chapter nine was the Marshall. We're on Tatooine. We get Cobb Vanth and we get Boba Fett's armor and a crate dragon. Um, chapter 10, the second episode is the passenger. And this is the infamous frog lady episode. Um, chapter 11 is the heiress and that is when we get Bo-Katan and other Mandalorians um, and we find out that Bo-Katan is looking for the Darksaber. Um, chapter 12 is the siege and this is when they um, oh my god this, this is when they uh, have to go go back to Navarro and we find out that there's a cloning plot line in there and we see vats of people and basically we're um taking out this uh this imperial base um chapter 13 is the jedi this is ahsoka enough said oh and we learn baby yoda's name grogu um in chapter 14 is the tragedy and the tragedy is when um basically grogu gets kidnapped um, and, uh, but we see Boba Fett come riding into town, a whomping and a whooping. Um, so it's every fanboy's dream. Uh, chapter 15 is the believer. We got to break, uh, Bill Burr, Bill, Bill Burr. Yeah. Out of, out of Imperial prison camp. And we get, a we got to go, uh, find out where Moff Gideon is. And then chapter 16 is the rescue. And that's when we go after baby Yoda and uh, we see Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> what? Well, if you didn't see it by now, if, yeah. you, if you've somehow yeah, you're doing a brief recap, internet. yeah, too late. Sorry. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. so so those were those were our episodes. Again, I'll say the Marshal, the Passenger, the Heiress, the Siege, the Jedi, the Tragedy, the Believer, the Rescue. Everything starts with a the. Did everything in the first season start with a the? I believe so. Not every single episode. There were a couple that was just. Uh, oh, that's right. One word. Actuary, for yeah. example. I everything think that here was, was the. That's interesting. I don't know. Okay. Um, all right. Well, wh- let's just kind of go around the horn. If what is, what's your favorite episode? If there's going to be one where it's like, you you open up Disney Plus and I want to watch an episode of The Mandalorian, what's going to be your go to? I'll go first, and I'll say for me, the one that just pops in my head is the tragedy, because it's the episode where, well, first of all, we get Boba Fett back. Yes, it's all the fanboy service. It's an action-heavy episode. 
So if you're trying to just pop in an episode and just, you know, not really have to worry too much about the storyline, plus it ends it in such a great cliffhanger. So um, that's kind of the one that kind of sticks out to me as, okay, favorite, boom, that one. Dave? Uh, this is going to be boring because I'm going with the same answer. That's my favorite episode of the entire series so far. Um, and it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's particularly close either. This is the, this is the episode where they build that tension, uh, where they finally pay the tension of that relationship off. So this father son relationship and what that entails. And so like, you're going to, you're, your child is going to be put into danger at some point. Um, and they, and they just, they paid that off so brilliantly here. Um, and again, you know, the, the Boba Fett stuff was just the culmination of, you know, 30 years of fanboying and, and, you know, hoping that we would ever see something like this on film again. And then we did. Um, and uh, exceeded all expectations. I, I never, you know, I never necessarily thought we'd see Boba Fett again. And then I never really expected it to be paid off quite this well. Uh, and, uh, I just loved everything about it. So my choice is the Jedi. Um, I, I just loved the look of it. Um, the, the, I, I love the, the backstory that we got of baby Yoda. I'm still the, and all the pronoun game, not really a pronoun game, but all the little Easter eggs they drop in there like oh someone took him from the Jedi Temple it just makes me want to watch it again going who would it be that took him from the Jedi Temple you know that type of thing um I love you know the how it mixes western and samurai I mean the just like I said just that if there's going to be an episode that I'm going to put on like I said I don't think it's necessarily the best episode but it's the one that I think I enjoyed the most if that makes sense um which kind of brings me to I'm I'm going to skip from I'm not going to do the least favorite right now, but I want to do standout episode, and this is one that I think probably not your not your favorite episode, but one that just made you go holy crap. And I'm going to start this round off because the one, and I probably won't. This would probably be the last one that I would go and just watch just because I wanted to watch the Mandalorian. But it is I think a standout episode just because of again the cinematography and everything that went into it. And that is the first one. That's the Marshall. I just, I, that was the only one of all these that was like a mini movie. And I think, yeah. that, I think it stands out from the other seven episodes, just the way it was put together. It, it seems like that's the one they spent all their allowance on, you know, <laughs> or they budgeted the most time, the most money and everything towards that episode. And it, I mean, so it stands out huge. Like I said, just, I mean, the way they put the crate dragon together. By the way, did you guys watch the uh, Disney Gallery? Not yeah. yet. Behind the scenes stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would recommend everybody watch that. Yeah. Because yeah, the the crate dragon. They just didn't create just the head coming out of the sand. They created the whole dang thing, and just like covered it in you know digital sand and everything. So even though you don't see the crate dragon's legs. You know, so it's just like I said, that's they're, they're putting all this effort into that one episode. So that, I mean, that that's mine. That's the standout, I think, for this one. 
That thing kept growing too. The crate dragon. They kept making it bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. They're like, <laughs> we were like, it's not big enough yet. It's got to be bigger. And uh, it's kind of a funny moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about that, but I would agree with you, Aaron. Uh, again, you know, I'm a broken record here tonight, but uh, that was the one episode for me. I mean, there were several plot moments where my jaw dropped um, throughout the course of the season. But I don't know if there were many action moments, uh, story moments, um, character moments that really all sort of came together in the way that that episode did. Because I, I and you still had the jaw dropping moment, the plot reveal at the very end with Boba Fett. Um, I was like, oh, 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 my gosh, you know, this this is happening. It's really happening. Well, and, and, and let me let me say it's your guys's favorite episode which was, you know, uh, the tragedy, that action sequence, uh, with all due respect to Mr. Rodriguez, looked like playing around with action figures in your backyard, whereas the battle with the crate Dragon looked like something that should have been on a big screen. You know, so I'm sorry to, to steal your thunder there. No, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll go with mine. Actually, for my standout episode, I'll go with the Jedi. Again, cinematography, just the way that they make the field outside the gated city look, uh, the way that they were able to fold in all of that backstory, all of that history, the interplay between the Western motifs and the samurai movie motifs. Um, it just it was done really well. The way they were able to tell a whole story for characters with only a few lines and uh, a few well-placed shots. So I think that's the one that I think of in terms of when you tell me what can the Mandalorian do or what, you know, what can, you know, it's the episode that I think of that shows you can do Star Wars in this medium and do it well because it connects so much of what's come before and it hints at so much is going to come after. So that's why I would make that my standout episode. Cool. All right. Well, Dave's, Dave's back from frozen land. Um, <laughs> But uh, did you have anything more you wanted to say about your standout after I interrupted you and you froze? Uh, no, not really. I mean, like, I think we covered it. It's, um, I would encourage everybody to go back and watch that one, even if it wasn't your personal favorite, because it's just so well made. Um, we talk about these Western tropes and, and leaning into them, and that's when this series is at its best, in my opinion. Uh, and... Uh, and for that, I, I would, yeah, I, I would wholly endorse people go back and watch that one again. So something mm-hmm. you said um, is a good segue. You said it may not be, you know, your favorite, but it's worth watching. And so we are going to now talk about our least favorite. And that this doesn't mean that it's a bad episode. It's just the one that is probably going to be, you know, if again, I'm stranded in an airport, you know, two years from now, and I have to, I just going to watch something on my iPad. I'm going to pull up the Mandalorian. This is going to be the last one you probably click to. Um, and, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm, I'll just start off with this one and I'll be that guy. Um, and maybe I just set myself up from the beginning, but it's, it's the, the frog lady episode. I mean, even though it's important, I under, and we'll get to this discussion a little bit. It's important to the entire story. It's just, uh, I don't know. I just, it, 
didn't do it for me the first time we watched it. I felt it was after what we saw the first episode of, you know, on Tatooine. And then all of a sudden we're stranded on an ice planet and running from spiders. It kind of, I, I don't know, it felt like I was thrown for a loop. Um, it, it just felt very, it just felt very one dimensional from a, from a kind of a visual standpoint um, and from a storytelling standpoint. But I do understand what it was doing for the entire series and for the entire season. So it doesn't make it a bad episode. It's just the last one I'm going to watch. So I don't know. Dave. That, well, you know, that whole section of the season is kind of, I, I wouldn't say shaky, but is the weakest part of this. Uh, of the season because you, you go from the passenger with the frog lady to the heiress which i think is a very well directed episode but it's very short and there's some issues with the mandalorians and the execution of that that you know i'm kind of so so on and then you go into the siege which is um again kind of a kind of a short less fulfilling episode it's very action heavy um, but you know, for me personally, it's the rescue, uh, and it's mostly about that CGI and how it failed miserably for me. Um, and, uh, I, I, I've kind of come around on some of the plot elements to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm happy to see where this goes, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I want to go back and watch the uh, CGI Luke again anytime soon. Yeah. You know, and the thing is that the thing that makes that episode so incredible is seeing Luke and you're never going to have that experience again. You know what I mean? It's like eat the best pizza ever, but the next time you have that pizza, you're you're only going to be the, the, the chances of you being let down increase exponentially you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so and, and of course you you see it coming it's like going to a haunted house and you, you know the first time and then you go with your friends a week later and so you know where all the people jump out you know and so you're not scared and you know so i so i get that that's that's what makes that i think that episode's kind of a it's not my it least favorite, but i think i think it's kind of a one and done you know right. um, which i think is why they went with the big cgi de-aging because if they felt that they were going to bring Luke back in any way, shape, or form, they would have recast it. They would have gone with Sebastian Stan. Which, by the way, again, we talked about this on a previous episode. Captain Marvel mm-hmm. was on TV um, two days ago, I think. And seeing Nick Fury, and I'm, st- I'm just the de aging stuff they did with Sam Jackson. It's like, how did they nail it there? And they, yeah. I mean, I know you don't have all the resources that Captain Marvel had. I get it, but you got some of them, you know, and for not, well, and, and they carried that for an entire movie, not just, you know. But I think that's minutes. part of why. I think because it was a whole movie, they not only had the whole movie on a big screen, they had to get it right. Whereas I think they were counting on the streaming format, both TV as well as tablets and phones hiding some of the imperfections just uh yeah it's it's that's the reality point. is yeah that's just the technicality of it but i think uh dave's right to point out that it's you know the whole episode hinges on you buying whole hog or going along with that's luke skywalker and if you can't and if the technology takes you out of it 
you know, yeah. it, it does it in, a, in an even bigger way than uh, Tarkin did in Rogue One or Leia. Well, at least they put it at the end. For me, my, my least favorite episode, I'm actually going to go with The Siege. Uh, I found it, okay, you know, we, we, it felt more like a season one episode. Season one episodes tended to go, Mando and Grogu show up to a planet. There's a problem they got to help out with. They go help out with. They find they can't stay. They move on. It's a the lone wolf and cub attitude. Uh, and whereas there was some reasons why they connected, you know, namely, oh, we got to repair the racer crest. And by the way, we'll find out some more stuff about what the Empire's plans are. It didn't, the, the thread didn't connect well enough because in the very uh, two episodes later, you are literally blowing up the racer crest. So yeah. it's like, okay, so I guess we didn't need to go to Nirvana. <laughs> we could have just blown it up then and there. So, uh, I, so then when you remove those reasons from the story, you end up finding out that uh, it's not, a, you know, it doesn't connect nearly as well with the overall story as, as you want it to. I mean, there's some hints as to future revelations, but the episode in of itself basically involves, okay, we're going to go attack this thing. Well, hey, it, it's not what it looks like. And then Mando disappears and it's uh, the Chubbs and uh, and uh, Cara Dune show for the next 20 minutes. So, I don't know. It, it's the one that even more than uh, Frog Lady, which I can kind of go, at least they're doing uh, Mandalore, you know, Star Wars horror movie for the next 15, 20 minutes. That's the one that I kind of go like, eh, I can skip. Right on. All right. So now we'll we'll get into some more controversy. And by the way, I write these questions to, to you know, kind of spur a conversation. I'm kind of getting a rap on Twitter for being negative Nancy on this show, apparently. But I mean, this, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to write questions of how awesome was this show? How awesome was this moment? How awesome was this? We're not shills for, you know, this whole thing. Uh, and you have to write questions to spur a conversation, you know, if it's, you know, so anyway, so don't read into this question and think that what my opinion is going to be just because of this question. But season two, is there an arc or is it a bunch of setup episodes? If you go, if you go online, you're going to get arguments for, you know, both sides. You know, there are people who think it's just a bunch of setup episodes for Disney plus series and, you know, or, do, do we have an arc? Dave, you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, I was critical of the final episode and where we ended up and how that all unfolded, but uh, you cannot argue that that is not a significant uh, change uh, for everybody involved. And so to say that we had no progression from you know the first episode to the final episode is sort of silly um i think you can find fault uh in in what we saw and you can probably pick it all apart and i'm sure there are people out there that do that um but uh, you know it's you started it from a point of um all right uh are we going to find a an actual place for Grogu. That was that was, and that was a difference from season one. Season one was just survive, survive in advance, 
it was the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, by the final episode, he got his calling um, from um, the uh, the armorer, you know, who was who told him, essentially, you need to find others of his kind. And and so this season became that. Um, and by the end of the season, he had achieved it. So I think like you can't I don't think you can this and, and there was character growth along the way. Um there were uh, certainly things that sidetracked us from the overall story. Uh, but, I, you know, for me overall, it's a success. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I was looking at this and I can see the argument where people were like, going, Ugh, it's, you know, set up episodes, like I said, for Disney Plus series. I, I, I can see that. But however, um, first of all, I do want to point out that I saw in this in this season, I saw more character growth than I did in the first season, like from almost from like a lot of people. Um, but especially in Din and Grogu, right? I mean, there's huge character growth. Um, and so, yes, I do see that arc that way. I also think there, they did a, in a very easy way, some might say lazy, but in an easy way, they connected the episodes better because it was always at the end of the episode. It seemed like, all right, now go to this place and get this thing so you can get to your ultimate destination. And so they went to that place and they got this thing and another place person said, all right, now you got to go to this place and get this thing so you can get to your ultimate destination. So they, they connected the dots that way. Like I said, that was an easy thing to do. The first season we talked, it seemed like a lot of different vignettes, which I don't mind. I think that's good, but it was never, a one progressive story, you know, like this whole season, we could see where this was going. We got to get him to a Jedi. The first season was just, you know, like I said, just Mando and Grogu on another whirlwind adventure. And they were all cool. But like, so, so I do, I do see an arc and it made sense why Ahsoka was in this. It made sense why Bo-Katan was in this. It made sense why all these Disney plus, you know, spinoffs, are, are coming it wasn't just to set them up for a, a series they made sense to the story so yeah i see i see an arc here fredo i jumped yeah, on top of you sorry no 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 no, no. actually that's perfectly fine because actually gave me time to think because in terms of an arc i think there's two big arcs that are strung along the entirety of the season the first one is the one that we kept discussing over and over regarding parenthood and being a parent and the growth that Din has to go through in assuming the responsibility for saving Grogu's life. <coughs> you know, in season one, his responsibility is simply keep the kid alive, and uh, that's it. This was more okay, keep the kid alive, but find out what the best for him is. And what's what's incredible is that the journey starts with him bringing him along to all these, still being protector, bringing him to all these dangerous situations. And the final shot is him willingly giving him up to somebody who can protect him better than he can, but who can also help him become uh, the best version of, of itself that it can be, that it can, he can maximize his powers, his potentials. He recognizes that if Grogu stays with him, that's not really the best for the kid. So, okay, here you go. Go with the Jedi. Go with the nice Jedi who just murdered all the droids, kid. So that's arc number one. Uh -oh. And then arc number two is the one, the gr internal growth that 
then has to do regarding his place and his identity as a Mandalorian. You know, all through season one, he's been told, this is the way. It's what's emblazoned in every t-shirt that you've seen everywhere. And all through this season, it was, no, that's not the only way. There's other ways. And again, he starts off in a very monochromatic way of looking at the world. And by season, by the end of the final episode, he is out entirely out of that view. He has been challenged and he has grown and he's a different person. And now what's interesting is going to be going forward, how this new person fits back into his old world, because in some ways he can't, you know, you can't, you can't go back to the group that you're with and go, Hey guys, you know, I, I, I'm now this guy and be accept, you know, expect to be welcome back. So uh, I think those are the two big arcs that were running concurrently through the whole season, the, the path of growing as a parent and the path of growing internally as a Mandalorian. So you know, one uh, thing, oh, go ahead, Dave. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because this is slightly off topic, but I love that we're t- talking about those those big bigger picture arcs um, because with Lone Wolf and Cub, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest story beat in that particular story is revenge, and we we haven't really done that yet, um, not really, um, and you know creative license they don't have to do that that's you know they're not married to the original source material with that um but i can't help but wonder if that's where we might eventually get to because like we know where he is right now he's he's grown as far as understanding this is the way there are multiple ways but he still has to confront his past and that's where we're at i mean the beginning of season three, it's going to be that. That's what it is. Is we're going back to Mandalore. We're going back to the Mandalorians. We're we're going to discover what it is to be a Mandalorian and what it is for him. And 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 so like I'm excited about that, but I'm also and you know what nobody's worried. really talking about right now is that he technically leads Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now he does. Yeah. I mean, but, they could pay that off if they really wanted to. Well, what's interesting, not only does he lead Mandalore, but he's got the architect of the destruction of Mandalore in chains at his feet. Yeah. You know, Moff Gideon. So if he's trying to bring all the Mandalorian clans together, he can say, look, not only do I have the symbol of leadership, but I'm bringing back the guy who done us dirty. Who's Who are you going to support now? Which creates all sorts of interesting dynamics and conflicts for him. Because having been kept so far away in this in the sect that he was in, and being you know not really connecting with within even his own covert, because he wasn't think back to his season one, he wasn't even the guy that other people looked up to or anything like that. Yeah, he and wouldn't. That, he wouldn't even like go out for beers with the fellas after the big kill. You know, it, it just uh, he kept to himself. And now having uh, leadership thrust upon him, I wonder where all that's going to take him. Again, it creates interesting dynamics going forward which is what a good story arc does it fits closes one door and three more will open all right so kind of kind of to that point um you know if you watch if you, let's just say a sitcom season season two is going to be uh, there there's no real need to connect it to season one you know it's just here's our characters back doing you know fun things um one of the things I loved about 
binging Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Brittany and I, uh, was just watching how each one of those seasons did. It was a pickup where we left off, you know, and created a one large, you know, really seven season arc. You can argue that maybe season seven, they jumped the shark too far and it was, you know, but everything, I mean, it, each season connected and you were giving, getting callbacks in the later seasons to the earlier ones. So how do we feel so far? Does season two connect to season one? And as a second question to that, do they have to? See, that's how you know it's a good question because (laughs) there's dead air right after you ask it. Dave? They don't have to connect. I mean, they really don't. Um, I think it's better if I think it's better if they do. Um, And, you know, for my I guess my opinion would be that they connect just fine. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, you know, again, like season one, they were um, more the the episodes stood on their own a little bit more and it was you know bj and the bear and getting into adventures uh incredible hulk style and uh you know it was just i'm going from town to town to town but um the concepts were still there the concepts of trying to embrace parenthood come to terms with your own past your place in the universe all of the all of that good stuff got introduced in season 1 um, and we went further along all of those path lines in season two. So for me, it, it, it worked out quite well in that respect. I, I will say that I'm, I'm not uh, um, I, one of those things where I might just reserve judgment until after seeing the next season. So, you know, you know, so you can see how far away point B was from a actually, you know what I mean? Once you see where point C is. Uh, but because of the things we talked about last week, Pardon me, about ready to belch. Number eight. Uh, number eight. Uh, number eight. The um, the unresolved things, you know, the things that they just kind of left us hanging on. Um, that that makes me say that they it doesn't they don't connect as well as they could. That you know, if I again, if I look at the Agents of Shield now, Agents of Shield is a different thing because there it was always kind of that certain point of view backdrop, and of up against the Marvel movies, you know, so you knew you were following along the Avenger movies and everything. They were doing their own thing. So they, they couldn't help but do that. But on this, it, it I, I wish it would have, like I said, there are some things, too many things they left, just left us hanging in the first season to make me say that, yeah, it connects really well. Um, now, does that take away from my experience or the storytelling or anything like that? No, no. I'm just saying that, if you really, if your if your intent is to, if let's say they have four seasons like Giancarlo Esposito said, um, then you know maybe it should have been a little bit better, you know. Um, but if it's just going to be individual seasons of, and I wouldn't be a bit, wouldn't have a big problem. And we'll get into some of this later. But if like you know we just have totally new people in our. Um, our characters in our story in season three and it's still a man is still a Mandalorian story. You know, that's mm. fine. If that's what you want to be, then that's good. But if, you know, if we're looking, is it supposed to connect? Well, we don't know the question to that. We don't know the answer to that. You know, does it connect really well? I would say that I'd probably give it a B, you know, a C plus to a B, 
as far as those connections. Fredo? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, in terms of does it have to connect, not, not, not everything has to connect in order to, for it to be enjoyable. I think and that's one of the advantages that they've landed upon in order to make it the most enjoyable is they're not giving you 45-minute episodes every week. If an episode merits 45 minutes, you're going to get 45 minutes. If it only merits 30 minutes, you're only going to get 30 minutes. I mean, imagine trying to stretch out Frog Lady's episode another 15, 20 minutes. You know, does that does giving you 15, 20 minutes where we connect more stuff make it a better episode? No. So uh, I think in reality, uh, they know that. I agree with you that it's better for the story if it connects. Right now, we only had two seasons, eight episodes each. Some stuff is connecting better than I think the arcs, the big themes and stories are connecting, but a lot of the stuff underneath is still kind of loose and still, you know, waiting for another piece to come down the line and connect to it and kind of bring it into the fold. But at the same time, if it doesn't, uh, not everything, no, the reality is that maybe not everything will connect. I'm accustomed to watching uh, episodic television where sometimes stuff happens in season one. It's not till season five, then you get the resolution for that. And you go, ah, that's what that was for. But which is fine, you know. As long as every episode that you're watching along the way is enjoyable and a, and a ride you like to take, you will get, hopefully eventually get that. And if we don't, then we can kind of criticize it for it. Okay, so um, um, let's, uh, just assuming, okay, and again, we're just, mm-hmm. we're just assuming that, you know, season three is going to be, you know, nothing but Mandalorians and, you know, off to do the let's, but, um, palace intrigue. Well, so do you think, so it's going to be a totally different, different story. Could, do you think that the Mandalorian could have, uh, survived and kept its popularity if we had a third season of Din figuring out how to be a dad? Do you think they Mm -hmm. had enough story fodder to keep them going that way? You know, um, I think so. I again, you paint yourself into a corner, though. You make the you make those storytelling decisions that demand that you go a certain direction. Yeah, but I mean, at some at some point, it becomes full house. You know what I mean? So it's it it, when the element of danger is what what keeps it from becoming you know sitcoms RS. I mean, it's not TGIF here. Is what there's this 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 tension. And again, this is why I talked about that that episode with Boba Fett as being my favorite. Is because it's a re- very real and present danger that the child is in and under, and milking that in such a way. Again, it doesn't have to be a bad guy of the week. You know, establish a villain who you know makes um, our current villain look like a toddler, um, and that that sense of danger gets ratcheted up another you know 100 percent or whatever so i mean there are ways to do it um i just you know i i'm fine with either call at this point and th- this is the call that they made they're they're going to separate the two we're going to see din on his own um and we're going to find out what that looks like i think i mean ultimately i mean could they have stretched out another season? Yeah, I think it would have worked. And I think people would have been, you know, would have enjoyed it because there's something comfortable about familiar, you no, know, the familiar. And if it's just okay, it's the Din and Grogu show, and they're going from adventure to adventure. I think it would have been fine. I do think that though, 
you get to a point where you start looking for resolutions and if you don't start providing them to the audience, then it kind of begins to feel like a fake out, like you're faking the audience out or oh, putting them in danger, but now they're all right. Oh, we're, we're going to uh, show the, the you know, Grogu, you know, you know almost like he's going to lose, he's going to lose them. No, no, he didn't lose them. So you can't do that too many times without the audience getting dimension return. So I think they kind of struck a balance of saying, okay, this is what this season is going to be and here's where we're going to be left leaving it off. And now Din's going to go do his own thing, you know, and that'll be that for season three. So, it, uh, I think that they, they, they knew kind of instinctively they knew we can probably stretch this out, but stretching it out doesn't benefit the story that we want to tell. Well, and it's, um, what, a, what a, I'm not going to say it's the one of the best bands I've ever seen. That would be too much hyperbole, but a brilliant, a small, well, not brilliant. Uh, so yeah. Brilliant, brilliant decisions that they, they made. And where we lived in Nebraska, it was right on interstate 80. And it's like, if you were going to, if you were a traveling band, I mean, back in the day, you know, Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington and count Basie, they all traveled up, you know, uh, that stretch is, you know, and they played in these small towns in Nebraska on their way to the bigger cities like Denver or Chicago. Right. And so, bands just do that. So we lived in this smaller, you know, town, college town in Nebraska. And so we'd get in our, there'd be an establishment that would have traveling bands come through. And one of the, the band that just, just made the smartest decision because, you know, you go out and see a band, um, at a bar, you're not really with New Orleans is the exception. No, I think New Orleans is the only exception, but if you're in college town, Nebraska, you're not going to a bar and watching a band to hear their original material. You want to hear them play the hits, right? You want to hear them do uh, be a cover band. But this band was trying to make it on their own. And this is what was genius about it. They would do two or three, you know, covers and get the crowd in the palm of their hands. And then they'd be like, all right, now we're going to do an original. And people would stay on the dance floor. Then they'd come back with, you know, maybe one or two more covers. And then they do one or two originals. They would just, they strategically peppered these in because if they would have just, you know, opened up with Brown Eyed Girl and then did their entire new album, they would have, that crowd would have walked. So what does this have to do with The Mandalorian? You know, I think the ultimate story that Filoni wants to tell is that Mandalorian story. But they knew they had to give something to and the growth of this one Mandalorian into that Mandalorian culture. And if they would have started with that, if we would have started with a bunch of Mandalorians and Bo-Katan and everything like that, I think you would have lost a good chunk of the viewership. So what are we going to do? We're going to put this cute little creature in his hands and we're going to make you care about it and care about him. And then by season three, that's where we're going to be able to start playing our original material. And we've already got that, you know, crowd, you know, in the palm of our hands. So I, th- I think it's, I think it's well designed that way. And if they would have done a third season of just him running around with Grogu, then I don't think the season would have, it would have been hard for it to go to progress, you know, because there's only so many, like you said, Fredo, there's only so many places where you can put the baby in, in jeopardy, and, you know, it's kind of like in Solo, we see Chewie almost, oh, is he going to get hit by a rock? No, he's not going to get hit by a rock. Chewie's going to be fine. 
You know, eventually it's like we talked about in season one, every, you know, baby Yoda seems like he's going to die in every episode. And then after a while, it's like, no, he's not going to (laughs) die. You know, so all the perilous places, you know, or situations just kind of lose their luster. But again, I think it, sorry, this is really long winded, but I think it's well designed that we're going to take, you know, we're going to take the hits away from you, but we've got you now. You want to listen to us. You want to watch our, our product and you're going to enjoy season three and eventually and we'll, we'll get, well, I will get into that later. So anyway, I, I, I think it's, that's well designed. So, mm-hmm. um, so kind of to, to move a little bit further through this, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to flip the bullets here, um, along this line, are we going to see Grogu again? I think we will. I think we will. I think in, in, the, think thir- the, in the, in the third season, are we going to see Grogu? I think there's going to be at least one appearance, and it may be a short one. It may not be a long one. It may be final episode, or it may be a hologram. But I think they're going to want to keep that connection between Din and Grogu alive, even if it's just, "Hey, he's reminiscing about the kid," or "Hey, he got a message from the kid," that kind of thing, or something along those lines. They're going to do some kind of way to make sure that we don't forget Grogu. Because well, he is the unquestioned star of the show. And I think there's a chance that we're going to get what Dave's always talked about him, you know, Din having to make a choice between being a Mandalorian and being, being dad. Grogu's dad. And that could come back again, you know, where he's suddenly the de facto leader of Mandalore and he has responsibilities and things like this. And, uh oh, kids in trouble, you know, and then you can see conflict between both tanks. So you're going to abandon Mandalore to go help this little green frog thing, you know, I don't know. Dave, what do you think? Are we going to see Grogu again in season three? I think that's the likeliest outcome, to be honest. Um, You know, the storytelling of it, it'll be convoluted to to say the least, to try to figure out a way to put um, Grogu in danger when he's currently under the care of uh, this amazing Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So it may stretch some credibility to even create that storyline in the first place. But um, I think it's the likeliest position that we're going to find ourselves in. And because it's going to take something extreme to shake him back into that fatherhood role. Um, he, he will have come to terms with having given it up at some point. Um, we'll address that. We'll address all the Mando stuff. Um but, you know, for him to eventually come back around to, uh, oh, I need to I need to take care of the little guy again. I think it's going to be an extreme situation where the child is in there. Um, you know, worse yet, that uh, um, Gideon kills the kid or something. You know, I mean, like, I'm not even going to rule something like that out um, because of the whole revenge aspects to the original story. So, see, and I um, think I, I actually think the the opposite is I think the mm-hmm. way we're going to get ba- I think baby Grogu I, baby Grogu, I think we're going to see um, Grogu again, but I think he it's going to be him saving Mando's hide. Right, he and makes kinda, the choice. Well, yeah, he's going to be yeah. saving. He's going to save his hide, and I would say on the flip side of that, I wouldn't be surprised if Baby Yoda is the one who kills Moff Gideon. Yeah. So I, again, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be out of line for the traditional story. And uh, again, like to your point, for 
for him to make the choice would would make sense for the story too because like um mando had to choose him a couple of times now and he made that choice and he's like i'm going to choose to rescue this child and now it would be grogu's turn um there would be something poetic in that and and i really think that uh I, I do not see us getting a a lot, if if any more, of Luke Skywalker. I think Grogu is going to be a Jedi school dropout. Jedi school <laughs> dropout. Uh, but uh, I, I really do. Because unless you're going to, the only way I could see that story continuing is through a comic book series or, or a novel. Um, I don't... I, you can't unless you're unless you're going to spend all the money to make you know Sam Jackson you know look twenty years younger. You just you just can't you just can't do a Luke Skywalker thing well. So, but so I think I think he's going to that, and everybody's concerned about oh, did Kylo Ren you know kill Grogu and when he destroyed the temple? <laughs> Maybe Grogu is a Knight of Ren. Who knows? But no, I I, I do. I think he's going to be a Jedi school dropout. Well, as I said, we know that there's more story between the point where we end season two and the time decades down the line that The Force Awakens starts. So there's a lot more story that uh, purposefully they've not filled us in. They leave, they're kind of giving it, you know, why a wide uh, berth to kind of give whatever creator is going to go in there, fill in whatever they want to do and not contradict themselves later. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I do think we'll see Grogu. I mean, I said it before, but uh, it's going to create a, you know, the good thing that the show does is it creates an interesting dynamic where its main characters have to come to a decision all the time. It's, am I going to be a Mandalorian or I'm going to be this? I'm going to be follow the creed or I'm going to do what it takes to save the kid? You know, am I tapping to the force or am I not tapping to the So there's, uh, there's these choices that the characters get brought to make. And uh, I always think back, there's always this line that uh, George R. George R. R. Martin, the creator of Game of Thrones, Song of Fights of Fire says, which is actually a quote from Faulkner, says, the only stories worth telling are the stories about the human heart in conflict with itself. And I think that's the point that we're seeing with both Din and Grogu. There's this thing that they're supposed to be and their relationship is getting in the way. So I think at some point that dynamic has to come back into it. Well, all right. It is time for the most controversial topic of the evening. Blue cookies? And my, my answer is going to surprise you. How's that for a typical you know, clickbait article title? Um, how, do we, how do we actually feel about the Frog Lady episode? And I'm going to go ahead and start. Cause like I said, I teased it with saying, I'm going to surprise you. Um, I remember when we first talked about it, my, my first inclination was to call this a filler episode. Um, but it's not a filler episode. It has everything to do with, again, Din seeing what it means to care for a child, even an, you know, an unborn child. Um, it has everything to do with, um, you know, frog lady calling him out on his Mandalorian ness you know, um, it's, it was important to see, you know, Grogu's growing independence. Um, now all that being said, I, I think all those things could have been done 
within another episode and not an episode unto itself. Um, I think that I think I, 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 I think we talked about we could have combined that episode with the, the next one and probably would have had one solid episode. Whereas uh, this, as it sits on its own, I can't call it filler um, because it isn't just like, oh, crud, we need to play, you know, we need to have an episode here. It's not like South Park where it's like, crud, we, we're making a show in three days. There are things there that needed to be done and needed to be said, but I don't think it warranted an entire episode. So that's my point. Dave? I probably will not change from my original opinion on this episode, which is that I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Except for the goriness of it. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know what is funny? It's like we did show it to my kids and the the whole spider stuff, and I thought that would just like freak them them out, and they did fine with it. I think it was because I built it up. I was like, this could be scary, guys. It's okay if you want to pause it or leave the room or what have you. And they did just fine. So, um, you know, sidebar. Uh, I guess I guess we're not into R-rated territory yet with our Star Wars, but uh, <laughs> I, it's uh, you know I, for the reasons you outlined, it's it's an important story to tell. Um, it and the the way they chose to do it with the plot line of the spiders, it made sense for it to stand on its own, right? Because if you have this colossal spider attack where they have to get rescued it doesn't make sense to put that in the middle of an episode and i'm so. gonna interrupt you there for a second because that's the other thing is that it, that's what made me feel like it was you know the you know kevin smith you know superman you know reading to what roger roger peters uh john peters yeah, no. john, john peters. peters yeah and saying you know it's like he's got to fight a spider in the third act i mean that's so yeah that's what that's my point is that you know, if you, you don't need the spiders, you know, you could have put baby Yoda in some danger some other way and you can still get all the things that are important out, but we don't need the spiders. But, you know, it just seemed like, oh, crud, we need to do something. But I, I'll yield the floor to you, Dave. I think with, with that, they were just when, when you watched the uh, the behind the scenes stuff, they were talking about that and how they really wanted to differentiate that planet from Hoth. And the spiders sort of grew out of that because they had this design that they thought fit there. And uh, and so there was a lot that went into that, and I understand why they did it. Um, which isn't to say that you could be um, not have a point to say, because like I was watching um, Infinity War and Endgame the other night, and um, just watching it, I was struck by it. It's funny, I used the same exact example. With, with the Marvel movies, they never got some executive in a room and said, oh, and you need to put in a giant robot spider. You know, like it never became the this these ridiculous elements taking precedence over what actually fits. And with, that's the one thing that they did so wonderfully in the MCU. It's like this thing connects to this thing and it makes sense for us to see this character now. And oh, we are seeing this character now, and we're going to reinvent so and so this way so they fit into this story better. Every every creative decision they make has a logic to it, um, and I you know I I like that about this series overall. I'm not going to necessarily say Frog Lady was a hundred percent successful, but um, 
I think like when we critique the sequel trilogy, um, we're like, oh, it didn't connect. Um, there's a lot of good ideas, but it just didn't seem like there was a through line. So let me let, um, me, let me spin the question just a little bit. Did yeah. you did you guys see any filler episodes in this season? No. Oh, Fredo no. nodded. Oh. Well, the the one the the was it the siege? That's really mm-hmm. the only one that I could think of. I mean, there were story reasons why they had to go back to Navarro. They were sort you know. You know, they had to get the ship repelled. They had to put the tractor beam, uh, tractor beam on. They had to go find out more stuff from, you know, about the cloning facility. But besides that, I thought, eh, you know, again, it's it's one episode where so little happens forward regarding our leads. I think it's more built to build up Cara Dune and Grief Karga as characters. It advances their story more than it advances. Uh, our leads, our protagonists, you know, because, you know, basically, you know, we start the episode knowing that uh, Grogu, well, at the point we still didn't know it was Grogu, you know, Baby Yoda is getting along with kids and uh, that Din's going to protect them and that's kind of where we end the episode. So, uh, regarding Frog Lady's episode, going back, um, I, I still, I'm kind of with Dave in regards to, I don't think my estimation has neither risen or fallen from it uh, catching it a second time uh, I think it's still very much a kind of middle of the road episode looking back on it I'm kind of thinking about it again right now so you guys were talking I was just thinking you know in, so, in some ways had the reason why they end up crash landing there been either Imperials are chasing them or maybe some of that crew uh, from the episode where they uh, try to break in uh, from the Bill Burr episode in season one. Maybe yeah. some of that crew came back looking for revenge on Mandan. So if it connected that way, and that's why it ended up crash landing, instead of it being basically Mandan running from the law, trying to play the role of Smokey, or I'm sorry, the bandit in this case, I think it would have connected a bit better. Because then you could have say, okay, there's still elements of his past chasing him, and it's putting him and his child in mortal danger. But you know, the, the fact that I think it's, oh, you know, they're trying to pull him over and write him a ticket, and then he decides to just gun it. It's, you know, kind of, you know, when, when they're stuck in that situation and the spiders are coming out, you're like, well, who put yourself in this spot? You did. So I, I think that's kind of... said for that, though, too, because of the, the point of the episode is parenthood, right? And we talked about mm-hmm. that and all the parallels mm-hmm. between him and Frog Lady and all this. Right. And... He's just an absolutely <laughs> terrible parent at this point. <laughs> I mean, like we joke, like we joke back then, Dave. You, you, you know, the couples you over, you got the kids in the back seat. You're totally gunning it, right? <laughs> exactly right. I'm running from the law, and I got three kids strapped in the back of my car. Hang on, know? hang on, kids. Daddy's got to run. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're doing the, you're doing the uh, jumping over uh, broken uh, bridges and whatnot. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, old general looks like Lee. Kate and Dave have gotten themselves into a heap of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We were just some good old boys, you know. Never meaning no harm. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Uh, so. You know, like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't think 
and I, I really would caution anybody, you know, and that was the big thing with Rebels especially, that everybody would jump to quick to say filler episode. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that everybody that watches any of Dave Filoni's stuff or any Star Wars stuff is don't don't just judge it filler right away. You got to wait until you get to the end of the season to decide whether or not it was quote unquote filler. Um, that being said, there are some, you know, there are some albums that we all have that there's one or two songs that it's just like, uh, we need a, we need a 10th song. So let's just put this on there. You know, I mean, <laughs> that happens. It's, and it's not their strongest ones. Very rare that you get an album top to bottom that is just, you know, each song is awesome and building to the next. So, and well, uh, the way I'll defend that particular episode, the to the siege, um, there's some great action in that. Oh yeah, um, oh, no. and the stuff with the tie, tie fighters chasing them at the end, and and how that gets played out, um, that's really effectively done. Um, and, that, and we, yeah, Go no, ahead. I was just gonna, no, I was just gonna say that, and I think that's one of the elements of growth that we saw in this season. They were far more comfortable telling the story through action. I think there was, you know, season one, you know, some of the directors may have felt a bit bleary, you know, they're still relying on you know, conversation. I think that's also part of the reason why the episodes were so tight and so lean. Because, I mean, I'm trying to think whether it's the, uh, the siege or the tragedy or the Jedi, so much of the story happens on characters not speaking, but doing, whether it's uh, defending themselves or fighting or coming up with a plan and then putting it to action, you know, into execution. Action was a big deal of how they told the story for this season, which kind of shows that they're comfortable in what they're telling. So um, kind of as, as a little bit of a wrap up, I have to share this story. My sister, my older sister, um, you know, she always liked Star Wars. I mean, she was obviously not as nerdy about it as me or my brother. Um, but she always, I mean, she has always, always dugged it. Um, but she, she started watching the Mandalorian just, uh, like a few days ago and she sent me it. And so she started obviously in season one, she sent me a text, said the Mandalorian is great. Why haven't I been watching this? Mm-hmm. And then next one after I responded and she said, yeah, I like Mando too. I'm only five chapters in, but I'm interested how they explain his past and how this all unfolds. And then yesterday she sent that was a couple days ago then yesterday she sends me a text says i finished season one of the mandalorian the last three chapters gave me much anxiety (laughs) so you know it's just it's just interesting to i mean that's that's a perspective that's really cool obviously she went on that roller coaster ride of season one now i can't wait to see what her reaction is to season two because i'm sure she's like now pumped to see what happens next um Mm. and it'll also be interesting to Get her. I, I don't know if she knows that Luke Skywalker is back, but it'll be interesting to hear what she thinks about all that too. Um, so anyway, I just had to share that with you. I thought it was kind of funny. The show has a mass appeal too. I, mean, I don't think that it, you know, it's worth pointing that out periodically. Um, well, my these, mother-in-law, these... my mother-in-law was, and father-in-law were watching. They were big into it as well. And Dave, to kind of to your point, she's kind of upset that Grogu is gone. She said that was the reason why she basically watched this series was that she liked the child. She always called him the child. Anyway, go ahead, Dave. So, so just, wait, before you say it, just to kind of bring, you know, bring it back to something I read the other day from Variety uh, saying uh, 
this, you know, guess what the number one most pirated show of last year was? Well, that, the Mandalorian. That's right. It's uh, they're saying, uh, you know, for nearly a decade, HBO's Game of Thrones was the uh, most pirated, but they're saying now number one most pirated show on the internet because it hasn't been released worldwide yet. <laughs> yeah. But it's not just that; it's because remember, it's only available on Disney Plus. Yeah. And while Disney Plus may be available for the low, low price of five ninety nine a month, not everybody's signed up to it. So everybody's watching it. Everybody's finding a way to see it. It's uh, it's become a cultural touchstone currently in a way that I don't think even Dave Filoni and John Favreau thought it was going to be. I mean, for certain Mando and Baby Yoda. But just the fact that I'm still calling him Baby Yoda is a sign of that. I think what, what threw me and clued me in was like last fall or, or last winter was just like people you wouldn't even necessarily expect talking about that show. And uh, this is the, this is Star Wars that I love, you know, and I'm back into Star Wars again. I'm a Star Wars fan again. And I think that's one of the things that season two did really, really well, which was, and Aaron, this is something you brought up a few times, which is it's not just my Star Wars and it's not just the next generation Star Wars and it's not just Clone Wars fans Star Wars or sequel trilogy fans Star Wars. It's everybody's Star Wars. They fold they fold in so many different elements from all the different eras and they do it in a really, really smart way. And everybody's got kind of a seat at the table and you're all welcome. You know, they've opened the door for us. They said, sit down, have, you know, have for yourself a beer and, uh, and enjoy because this is, this is for you. Get some spotchka. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that, I think that puts a bow on uh, Mando season two until we get a, you know, a guest or two on that we want to just get their take on the whole thing. But uh, um, so Anything for the good of the order before we shut things down? Um, tell you what, we're just going to make it easy on you. If you want to find us, you know, we're on pretty much any place where you can find a podcast, you know. Um, so if you, if your favorite podcast provider, whatever, you can't find us on there, give us a shout and we'll see what we can do about that or we'll point you in the right direction. But go to the biggies, you'll find us. Also find us online um, and uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, yeah. So, anything for the go of the order, guys? Anything I miss? Go I think Saints. You covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And uh, and Dave's wearing his happy almost Mardi Gras shirt. I have one in my closet as well. Um, it's uh, and so are you guys decorating for Mardi Gras at all? Your house? Yeah, I think we're gonna do the what uh, Kate's a member of the crew of house floats. All right. Nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, so we're gonna try to do like a kind of a um, Florida beachy mermaidy theme. By the way, tell I don't know if you guys knew this, Dave. Tell Kate this. I was watching this. Uh, I'm watching this uh, like hidden secrets of Walt Disney World, and okay. on Splash Mountain. Okay, you've been on Splash Mountain, yeah. Okay, there's I don't know if you remember, there's a. Um, a groundhog um, or a mole or whatever that comes out of the ceiling, kind of pops his head out of the ceiling at you. He's wearing kind of a hard hat and then pokes back up. And, you know, the 
the happy place song is being played and whatever. But anyway, his head pops out and he says something and it, then he goes back in. You know what he says? No FSU. Wait, what? He says FSU, Florida State <laughs> University, because the Imagineer who worked on that wanted to put in a little tip of the hat to his alma mater. So now as a Husker fan, I'm going to be like cringing every time I see this stupid little mole say FSU, but <laughs> I'll have to send you the video clip for it so you can you guys can see it. But it, it does. They played back clip of it and this little mole says fsu in the you know in this little song so they're redesigning that right now though right they're supposed to be uh decided to uh princess and the frog good change it to go big red then (laughs) but no uh, it'll be a it'll be somebody shouting who that yes yes who that this is something we can all agree on there you go well all right well hey thanks for listening to us and uh um as always, uh, keep yourself safe, wear your mask, um, do all the things that people are telling you to do so we can all go out and do things. Because it's getting awful boring over here. So <laughs> to everybody get healthy and stay healthy. But until that, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And have a great week, everybody. My